Snow's Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. Happy New Year. Let's get into the story of the week. A few weeks ago, we talked about the one-year anniversary of the Idaho murders. For those of you that are unfamiliar, this is a really disturbing case where four college students from the University of Idaho were found stabbed to death in their off-campus housing. So unfortunately, the house that they were murdered in has now been demolished. Both sides, the prosecution and defense, were not really going against this action because they didn't see the point of keeping the house together. They said that the state of the house was so different from when the murders occurred that the jurors would not have been allowed in there anyway. So it's kind of weird. I wonder how this is going to pan out and if there was any evidence possibly in the house that they're now going to miss because the house is no longer there before this trial starts. So what are your thoughts on this? I think that, I mean, I kind of understand why they want to knock it down. Even though it's an off-campus house, all of the students still live around there and kind of walk by it all the time. And obviously, it's it's almost a, a morbid tourist attraction at this point. So it just gains a lot of attention. The students walk by it and and are triggered by the horrific things that happen there. And that's why the the owner of the house actually donated the house to the school and the school decided they wanted to get rid of it. Um, Apparently, the prosecution and the defense are cool with like that the fact that they got enough evidence. But I 100% understand the family being against this because this guy hasn't been convicted yet. And he also is a criminology student. So who knows, like we always say that we think that this dude's got something up his sleeve as far as the the trial going and getting out of this somehow. So I I think right now it's the worst nightmare of any parent to know that your child was murdered and the fact that it's not closed yet, that this guy isn't in jail and whatever else is going to come of him getting prosecuted, I think I, I would be fighting for it too. And unfortunately, they didn't win the fight. Yeah, so they're saying that they plan to demolish the house in the summertime, but Brian Koberger, who is the arrested suspect currently in this case, his defense attorneys had argued that it stay up a little longer because they wanted ample time to go through it and collect any evidence they needed for their case. So as recently as a few days before the demolition, they were in there collecting evidence and going through it. I think the biggest thing for the parents is They understand that the house might look different, but they wanted to keep it intact to see if they could prove if the roommates that were there that weren't killed could hear from the different rooms. And I feel like as a juror, it would be really nice to get a sense of the space in real life and see exactly what went down, what rooms were happening, what was in earshot. I do think that was an important detail Um, how this guy got in the house and how this was executed by stabbing four different people to death. So I think it's really sad. And the university is planning to build a memorial garden on the site. So it is nice that they are going to repurpose it and honor the victims. But I just wonder what this all means. Yeah, it, it this case has especially been on my mind this week because Brian Koberger was caught I guess caught by police around this time last year and it was just so shocking to see um how they found him and 
I just remember when they they put his photograph on the news, I was just freaked out by his appearance. Like there's something so crazy about his eyes and it really kind of shook me a little bit and and I'm I'm really into this case because it's it's so scary how it all went down and as a mom of of children that one that's already been through college but two more that are probably going to go to college it scares the shit out of me and i'm sure many of you listening also have kids that are not living at home and it's just scary to think that that there's a potential person stalking your child and that's going to kill them with a knife it's just it's so sad all right let's get into the celebrity news of the week This first celebrity story is really unfortunate, so Aaron Carter's sister, Bobby Jean, has now been found dead. In an eerie way, she was found unresponsive in her bathroom, just like Aaron Carter, who had died last year, and just like their other sibling, who had died around a decade ago. So all of them were found. She is allegedly overdosed to death. There's still confirmation on that, but she had issues with drugs in the past. Aaron Carter had the problems with drugs. The other sister had issues with drugs. It's really sad to see that there are now three siblings dead in one family, and it just, what is going on over there? Well, I think it's important to say, like, who the hell this person is, because I I only know of her because of Aaron Carter, and... I think for people that aren't 100% familiar with this family, we should probably, I I think it's important to talk about who they are because that, because of their level of fame, I think is the reason why they have so much substance abuse issues. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like they're always in the press for really negative things. And, you know, Nick Carter is the most famous of them being in Backstreet Boys. And then, so he was the one that started out, right? Like he, He's the one that brought the family onto the scene, basically. I believe so. And then all the other siblings have had somewhat success. Angel Carter, who's Aaron Carter's twin sister. So her and Nick are the only surviving siblings out of the five of them. But Angel is a model. And it's really unfortunate to see that the two of them have had to go through such extreme loss. They're, I believe their mother was in the news for an abusive situation in the last few years and It just seems like a complete mess, everything that's been going on with the Carter family. So it's really sad to see that a third sibling has now died in a similar manner to the other two. Yeah, I think they, I'm not sure if they said exactly how she died, but she had issues leading up to her death with substance abuse. And she just got caught shoplifting at Hobby Lobby, like $50 worth of crafts or something recently. It just, it just sucks. And it, it shows that sometimes... I mean, I you have to say the addiction is definitely runs in the family, but also the, the the fame and the access that a lot of famous VIP people have to these kinds of drugs and stuff really sets them up for a horrible life. And now you got three people that died under the age of 50 from, from drugs. It's sad. Yeah, so she was found unresponsive in the bathtub, so that's why it was eerily similar to Aaron, but we're still waiting on autopsy results, and we could give an update once we get those to be more conclusive. All right, so we're going to talk about another case that's super scary. There is a football player. His name is Mike Williams. He's an NFL player, and he died in September. He was only 36 years old, and it kind of obviously like freaks people out when someone dies that young. 
And his autopsy results just came back and they said that he died from a brain infection that was secondary to him having a dental procedure. That's that's so strange. So can you explain exactly how it led from the dental infection to the brain and how this all transpired? So it, it's it's interesting because I just had this come up. Um, one of my kids, Lillian, who's 10, she had to have a tooth pulled at the dentist and she hates getting that done. She doesn't like getting the Novocaine and stuff. So she said, basically, mommy, let me make you a deal. If I could get this tooth out this week, do I? can I just like go home and not get it pulled? So I said, sure, but why not, right? And that kid went home and, and pulled out like a big molar out of her mouth. And I, w- I went in the following week to, to see the dentist for myself. And I was telling Dr. Don, he's our family dentist. And he said, well, make sure the root came out because if the root didn't come out, that, that could cause an infection. And then so you could get an infection if the, you know, the little points at the end of the tooth don't come out. It could turn into an abscess and then get into the blood, travel throughout the body and get and because it's in the mouth and it's so close to the brain, it could travel directly to the brain. So he had something that was completely able to be treated and and died from it. And it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's always these horror stories. And, you know, growing up, I had a lot of dental issues as a young child. And they always were like, your gums are so inflamed, you have to take care of your gums, or you're going to get heart disease. And I'm like, I don't see how my gums are going to give me heart disease. I think this is just a tall tale. But no, it's no. serious. It's your, your dental care is one of the number one things to make you a healthy person. It's really crazy. It seems silly, but it's not because these infections can get right into your blood very easily and can kill you. Like in this case, this guy had everything. He was a healthy football player. Um, They did say that he also had maybe some cardiovascular disease that contributed to his death, which doesn't have to be unusual necessarily. Um, Hypertension or high blood pressure is more common in um, African-American males. So that definitely is a possibility that he had some kind of underlying heart disease as well. But the main thing is that if he and and like I don't want to characterize him as just being a dude, but just having a lot of men, especially my dad around me that like ignore problems that see are seemingly small. And and, you know, maybe he had a toothache and he, he couldn't get off of doing whatever he was doing with work and just kept blowing it off and blowing it off. And you don't want to pay for the dentist. Some people have fear of the dentist. And and then all of a sudden it turned into a big problem. I think we can agree I have a little bit of white coat syndrome when I go to the doctor, but the dentist is just not one of them. I can't explain it. It's one of yeah, those because places you, I'm just so comfortable. Because you've always gone to a good dentist. Like if you go yeah. if you go to a shitty dentist that hurts you and doesn't do the right thing or like screws you over out of money or whatever, like you 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 have there's people that have to be take like Xanax and stuff to get get dental work done, like a tooth their teeth cleaned. Well, it's funny because I have such the such a bad needle phobia, but even when I know I have to get the Novocaine to get something done, Dr. Don, he has that like vibrating thing yeah. on your cheek so you don't even feel that you're getting it. I'm like, how could I get this device for any time I need blood taken or anything like that? 
All right, but because doesn't your Botox doctor do that too? Yeah, he uses that weird uh, Dr. Dimitri. He uses that weird vibrating tool to give it to you, and it, it, yeah, I think it mentally like takes your the vision off of the needle and puts it into something else. It's just kind of like a mental thing. I that's why. Yeah, it's absolutely it's a, genius. It's like a distraction. All right, so there's another story this week involving an NFL player. This was during an active game. I hate. Like, listen, I hate football and everybody knows that, but I hate seeing these videos that resurface in the news that show people playing football getting injured. And, and it's so scary. The, the one with, um, what was this name? Damar Ham- Hamlin? Damar Hamlin, yeah. Like yeah. Last, that was last year, right? That was so freaking scary. I hated seeing that. And now this one, this, this um, football player named Elijah Moore got tackled. And then when... You could see that he visibly has like dirt and um, grass like embedded in the mask part of his helmet. And he, you know, everyone backs off of him after he gets tackled. And all of a sudden he like starts having a seizure. His arms start flaring in the air. And it's just I I just hate football. I'm sorry. I know it's like the biggest American sport, but it's it's so bad for your head. It's just so, so bad. Well, I think we're seeing such a rise in injuries. And, you know, with the last couple of years with CTE awareness definitely coming out and then watching this kid, Elijah Moore, it's like he gets, I don't know, something about it. I watch, I watch football with my husband and I see all these guys get tackled and I could watch boxing matches and MMA and not think anything of it. But something about this injury with Elijah Moore and last year the Dolphins, their quarterback to a tag, I'm not going to say his full name, last name because I can't possibly pronounce it correctly but when I watch them get tackled fall on the ground and then their arms and fingers kind of crunch together and flop around it's that to me seems more painful than getting your whole body shoved in the ground there's something so disturbing about seeing it and as usual they said he passed concussion protocol and he was set to play again very quickly after this accident so it's really disturbing to see. And I actually wanted to bring up Damar Hamlin because he had a heart episode instead of a brain episode. And I feel like they took that more seriously and gave him more time off to deal with that than they do with these guys with brain injuries. Yeah. You know what's nuts, actually? I, I, I didn't even talk to you about this when I went to the Ernest Hemingway house. We just went to Key West for a couple of days. And I, I just the house was just so cool. But Gabe and I listened to a documentary in the car ride about him, and it's really interesting. I, I didn't even really look it up to see if, like, duh, everybody thinks this guy had uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. But he had multiple head injuries from not only serving in war, but also he was in, like, two plane accidents, just all this stuff. And he kind of went nuts at the end of his life, like, just was having delusions and and maybe even some psychosis. and And... I'm like, yeah, duh, because he had multiple concussions and brain injuries. It's just a thing. It's like everybody knows it's a thing. And it's it's so scary. You can so when you get a traumatic brain injury, that could be anything as small as like a little bruise on your brain, like a concussion, anywhere to a more serious injury. And it could cause you to have a seizure right away, or you could have seizures months later. And um it just it, it it's really scary for people that play football because there's people that play football their whole lives and they never have an issue. But sometimes you have a kid 
that's playing football and in high school they get a concussion and and they want to continue to play and it's just it's known that like if you get one you're probably going to be cool but any more than one just sets you up for possibly having CTE and why would you risk that you're like you're saying it's like they they put so much effort into someone's heart obviously it's important but your brain is equally as important and they just want to use these dudes as young dudes for their bodies and then leave them being like mentally handicapped or having any kind of like a psychological issue as they get older. It's just, it's not cool to me. Well, there's a serious problem happening in the NFL too, where they have these turf fields and it's causing so many of them to fall and get injured at this astronomical rate versus the fields with real grass. So this is something we're seeing play out in real time where the players are going against the organization saying we're getting hurt so much more frequently because it's too slippery. Our cleats can't sink into it the same way as regular grass. I wonder if this type of field contributes to some of these excessive concussions we're seeing and if we're going to see more CTE because there's so many more accidents now that they're slipping all the time. Yeah, I don't I don't know about it. I just I don't like it. And I don't like I feel like they get paid all this money because like they want to just like have use these people like just use them and just shut them up with money. And it, it's just not cool. All right. It, a, another story that's been in the news for a couple months now is Black China. Um, it what like I understand that she's tied to the Kardashians or whatever. But like who who is she a singer? Is she a model? Like I don't I don't really know much about her before. Besides, I think she was a model slash socialite situation. She was just around the right people all the time. She has a child with the Kardashian brother. I don't Robert know if I Kardashian. would say she was around the right people, but <laughs> well, people to get recognized. Yeah. So, but... so she, um, I love, I love her. I don't know much about her, but I love her because she's going against. There, there's like this trend going against that whole Kardashian like crazy body nonsense and she came out a couple months ago and said that she was dissolving the fillers in her face she was getting a breast reduction wasn't she like getting her butt made smaller or getting lipo or something all of these procedures that she had done to look like a freak like the kardashians she started toning down on it and i love that she's coming out and she's she looks so much more beautiful now than she did she like because these people go overboard and they look like freaks and they don't look human anymore. She looks beautiful. She looks stunning. I don't think she's... I think she's doing this to get press and keep who relevant. Who cares? I'm serious. It's who cares? I know, it's, but it's, 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 it's better than... to say you love her for going against these trends when she partook in all the trends and then is now going in the new wave of trends, which is being ultra thin, having no boobs, no butt. No, fillers, I, I don't have a problem with looking. it because I feel like having little girls that that look at YouTube and shit all the time. I don't. I would rather them look at someone like that that looks like normal and doesn't look like some kind of a, a circus freak that they want to look up to. I don't know. Like, well, she, people can look however they want to look as long as they're happy with their appearance and not harming their health. That's your opinion. Okay. So anyway, she <laughs> she had breast reduction surgery and she was coming out to say listen you're you could say whatever you want but this is good that she talks about this because she had when you look at people like the kardashians and stuff who don't even admit that they have surgery or anything done 
when you talk about her and getting like desurgerized, it's it's crazy how many procedures these people have. And surgery is no joke. Her boobs were were huge. 585 cc implants that she went down to 385 cc's. Can you I don't know what that means. Can it's just you explain the si- it's the amount of fluid or silicone that's in the implant. So a a 585 gram one on uh like all right, for example, like <laughs> do you remember when CRISPR got her boobs done and mm-hmm. I went to the office with her for her uh consult or whatever and he gave her she's got implants that big, but she's like a bigger framed girl. So she puts them on and they look like she just has regular big boobs. I take the implant and I put it underneath of my bra and I looked like Dolly Parton. Like it was hilarious. It was like freakishly like people would be like, okay, like what's happening with that chick, right? So it depends. Like, so what I'm trying to say is that size of an implant can work on certain frames, but on smaller frame girls, it's it's a huge implant regardless. So what happens is when you get the implant, it it stretches your skin out to, to fit the implant. And the doctor's kind of saying like, listen, if you go down an implant size, like your boobs might be kind of like flabby because your skin's stretched out now. So she has to get a breast reduction surgery to kind of take, get rid of that skin now. It It's a lot of surgery and it looks choppy because now you're going to have scars and everything else. And she was saying that when she got the smaller implants that she had a condition called ca- capsular contracture, which is like when you put any kind of foreign body inside of your body, your body just works really hard to get it out. And it forms, it, it, especially with implants, it forms what's called a capsule around it, which is like like fibrous tissue. It's It's the body building up a wall against this implant. And sometimes it could get really tight and it could get calcified or like almost it's crunchy if you cut it with scissors and it could cause the breast to not only be painful, but it causes it to look different than the other breast. And it definitely goes against the appearance that you were looking for. So you, you, she might be doing it to stay relevant. She might be doing it, whatever. But like the fact that she talks about, she went through all this plastic surgery and now what she has to go through to get rid of it and all the problems that someone that has all that money and the best surgeons at their disposal I think is good that she talks about it that's all I mean I don't like I, uh, I don't I don't admire <laughs> I don't think that she's like one of the, the the best people to look up to in the world she's not like Eleanor Roosevelt or something but like seriously like well you said you loved her which I just can't agree with but listen you you think you don't know because you don't have little kids right now but the number one cause of depression and suicide in young is in young girls and it's because of social media and appearances and stuff and the Kardashians and that whole look and that whole plastic surgery thing is contributing to it so anybody that is trying to be against it I am okay with all right, let's get into some freak accidents. So for some pre-Mother Knows Death listeners, for our gross room members, we had covered a story on June 1st about this insane freak accident where this six-year-old girl was playing with a ratchet strap and it suddenly one end of the strap went out of the car window, wrapped itself around the drive shaft, around her feet, and cut her feet off. And then she had to go to the hospital and doctors were able to reattach her feet, which can you even believe that? Well, the whole story is crazy because the dad 
was I, I think when we covered it the first time, because how old is she? She was seven. She was six, six and now she's yeah, seven. Yeah, so we're like, I remember us saying, well, why was a six-year-old in the front seat of a car anyway? Like, there, there's multiple things that went wrong in this case, for sure. But the dad was driving the car and he said that the girl said, like, Daddy, I'm bleeding. And he looked down and saw that her feet were literally amputated on the floor and drove her right to a local hospital. They were just so happened to be pretty close to a hospital. But yeah, absolutely amazing that they were able to reattach her feet. So after a 35-day hospital stay, six surgeries, and months and months of physical therapy, this sweet angel was able to perform as one of Mother Ginger's kids in the Nutcracker with her sister. Oh, I, isn't that just so cute? I love hearing like stories that yeah. turn out well. Yeah. So I, because God, and and it's it's great when accidents like this happen to children just because they are able to recover so much faster. Could you imagine if something like that happened to one of us, we would be like still crying in the hospital bed, right? And th this kid just... Oh, yeah. I, I, I love kids' resiliency is, is so great. No, it's cool. And she was able to practice her performance in a wheelchair and then she performed it the night of with a walker. So she kind of was able to do it a little better than night of and it's awesome to see that she was able to do something really fun and not let this alter her life forever so this is definitely the the one of the sweeter updates from a horrific yeah, sometimes story we, sometimes we have good updates yeah so on to this next one where this influencer orthodontist and influencer dr kara hodson was on a trip to thailand when she was accidentally electrocuted by power lines ended up blacking out and was rushed to the emergency room where she was for 10 days. Well, what's interesting about this is that she really wasn't electrocuted because when you're electrocuted, you're killed. So she she had an electric shock. I don't know how she had access to power lines. I mean, sometimes we'll be walking around the, the neighborhood and stuff and I see a power line on the ground and I'm just like so scared. I'm like, don't go anywhere near that. But um, I mean, maybe she walked over it a lot of times it's just like laying in a puddle and you walk through a puddle on the other end and water conducts electricity. So it sounds like she got a nasty shock, though. And it's always really scary to be in another country and have something horrific happen to you that you need to go to a hospital just because you don't know what their medical system's like or how you're going to pay for it because healthcare isn't free in all countries. It's just really it's just really scary situation. Yeah, definitely. I think just in general, going to a hospital in a different country is a scary experience because you don't know what, what they do over there. So she said she's lucky to be here today and it was the worst 10 days of her life. So she seems to be recovering. Yeah, that's so scary. But our last freak accident is something truly horrible. So these parents were taking their six-month-old baby to a local hospital because they believed the baby was having breathing difficulties. And while they were driving, an SUV blew a red light, smacked into their car. The people that hit them got out of the car, fled the scene. So they have no idea who did it right now. As of recording this, there was still nobody arrested for it. But the parents ended up getting out with minor injuries, but the six-month-old baby ended up dying. So it's unclear if the child died as a result of whatever issue that they were taking the baby to the hospital for or if the accident kind of just finished it. So it's really sad to hear that. Yeah, so they'll 
they'll do the autopsy and i mean this is the unfortunate thing with stories like this we're, we're probably never we might just because there's a person that hasn't been caught yet and maybe they'll update us with that and then give us an update about what happened with the autopsy but they'll be able to tell if it was because of blunt trauma from the accident or if it was because of some kind of i, I mean a lot is going around respiratory wise a uh, rsv virus covid of course and the flu there's like all, there's a lot of pediatric flu cases now and um so yeah it could i mean if the baby was like that bad and not breathing that bad it could have just been coincidental however you, you never know and it's I, I mean think about getting getting t-boned by a car or just getting slammed by a car and how bad that hurts for a, an adult let alone a six-month-old little baby that's what 30 pounds you know or not even maybe i don't even know it's just it sucks so bad and and it it must suck for the parents to have survived something like that and yeah i i just can't even imagine what some people go through it's horrible yeah and it's really gross that they just left the scene without well people doing people whatever, do that all so the time it's, it's it's very weird like you you're going to get caught trust me like your car is going to be messed up they're going to be able to there's video everywhere. Like, why would you ever think that you're getting away with anything? There are cameras everywhere. It's just, we have a good camera story a little bit later, actually, under violent crime. That I, I think about watching that kind of a surveillance video. This episode is being brought to you by Stink Bomb. So Christmas and holiday time is over. And now, of course, the day after Christmas, what do we start celebrating, Brie? Valentine's Day. Exactly. So we, we're like hopped from one to another to another. And this Valentine's Day, why don't you give your loved one something a little bit different? How about you give a fruit basket of stink bomb? So Stink Bomb has these awesome gift sets. One of them's fruit basket. It smells so delicious. It's apple, orange, banana, and grapefruit. It's the perfect little gift you could give to your Valentine. They also have some sexier scents like coffee, lavender. There's a limited time Irish cream if you have a ginger in your life like I do. So <laughs> I definitely recommend Stink Bomb is the perfect Valentine's Day gift. You could use code MKD15 at stinkbombodorblocker.com for 15% off of your purchase. All right, so let's start with violent crime. Okay, this is a groundbreaking story. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard has been released from prison. Are you familiar with her case? I know I've subtly I, mentioned it before. Yeah, I've, I've heard you talk about it all the time, but I'm not as... You, you tell the story because you know it so well. Okay, so this is the most famous case of Munchausen by proxy. Munchausen by proxy is a psychological condition that causes a caregiver to basically fake illness in another. So we often see this with parents and children or people taking care of elderly patients where they'll exaggerate the symptoms of another. So, so to get like this, sympathy from people, right? To get sympathy. So, so wait, before we get started, so Munchausen is when you try to do it for yourself? For yourself, okay. yeah. And then Munchausen by proxies when you're faking illness in another. Usually like a kid, you're saying. Yeah, so this is the most exaggerated and famous case of this. So starting as an infant, this woman, Dee Dee, had her child who's named Gypsy Rose. 
And as an infant, Dee Dee insisted that the child was experiencing sleep apnea. So this was kind of the first time we have recorded note of these fake symptoms. So as Gypsy grew into an older child, her mother stated that she had seizures, asthma, hearing and visual issues, and would bounce around to different doctors. It's called doctor shopping or medical shopping. So nobody could kind of be on her case. She was getting prescribed all these medications she didn't need. It even got to the point where she was getting surgery she didn't need to have. Absolutely crazy. So then when Gypsy Rose was eight years old, her mother falsely diagnosed her with leukemia and muscular dystrophy. So because of that, she had her in a wheelchair and had a feeding tube, had her put on a feeding tube. So this poor girl has absolutely nothing wrong oh, with wait, her. Wait, wait, wait. So this is this is where I get lost on the story. If if she doesn't really have that shit, who's giving her a feeding tube? Like you can't just go to the exactly. doctor and be like, "Yo, I want a feeding tube," right? Like Exactly. So they're saying that the mother bounced around. So they had moved to Missouri a couple when Gypsy was in like Lillian's age, like 11 or 12. And she had said that all of her medical records had been destroyed in Hurricane Katrina. So they had to go based off of what they said. But where, why weren't these doctors doing their due diligence and calling the other it's, doctors' offices? It doesn't offices? Even matter, though. Like, let's say you have a person off the street and there's no other way that you can call in. Because that happens sometimes. You have people that come over here from other countries and stuff. You don't have access to their medical records. But, like, there's things called blood work and imaging and and. I mean, I guess if she was star, was she like starving the kid and everything, because her blood work would be off for sure. And if she was malnourished, I I just don't see what blood work. If she got blood work, you can't fake leukemia. You just can't fake it. So that yeah, that that's where it's all over the place. And I don't even know if necessarily she was telling the doctors she had leukemia, but that's what she was telling everybody else. And when they moved to Missouri. They had Habitat for Humanity build them a house. So there was like all this fraud going on besides that. They got free trips to Disney World. They got all this stuff. So the older Gypsy Rose gets, the more advanced it gets. She shaves her head. She There's this claim that all this medication was rotting her teeth out so badly that she had to get a bunch of teeth pulled. So it's really unfortunate. And then all the neighbors thought this. And so at the same time, the mother is lying about the age. So when Gypsy Rose is 15 years old, she met a man at some science fiction convention, I guess they went to, and ran away with him. And the mother was like, you're a minor, got her out of the situation, telling her she was 15, but she was really 19 years old. That's so this girl doesn't even know how old she is. So time goes on and Gypsy's starting to get hip to it and testing the waters. She gets out of the wheelchair and is like, I can walk perfectly. Like, I don't even understand why I'm in this wheelchair. So she starts getting hip to it. And she meets this guy named Nicholas Godijohn online. And the two of them form a relationship. So this relationship goes on for a few years. And eventually, they agree they're going to kill her mother. Okay. And I so don't Nicholas I don't Go see anything wrong with that. Okay. Let's just like, let's no. just put this out there. So in October of 2012, they start their relationship. And then in June of 2015, he comes, Nicholas Godijohn lives in Wisconsin, comes to Missouri where Gypsy's living, waits until he gets a call that the mother has gone to sleep, comes in the house, 
Gypsy gives him a knife and gloves, and he stabs the mother to death 17 times. So Gypsy didn't actually kill her. The guy did. But she was there and assisted with it. And then after that, they had sex in her bed. Yeah, that's and weird. And then they posted on Facebook three days later. So Gypsy and Dee Dee shared a Facebook page. And Gypsy and Nicholas post on the page, The bitch is dead. I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud. LOL. That's the Facebook post. So all these people that think this is a handicapped teenager are like, what the heck is going on? And then they go in the house and find the mother dead. Now, why? And then they find Gypsy Rose later. Why didn't Gypsy Rose and the boyfriend, I mean, I get, like, wanting to kill somebody for doing something like that to you, but, like, you should probably try to go through the proper channels first before you do something that drastic because if and may did she did they did they try to like handle this through the police and they were ignored like what I don't think Gypsy ever did there's allegedly a note from 2011 that one of her doctors had noted they thought that she was a victim of Munchausen by proxy but nothing was done about it she had confided in one of the neighbors that she thought she was being abused, but those people didn't do anything about it. So I think it was a case where she started getting feelers, like, is anybody going to help me? And then nobody was helping her. So she just took it to absolute drastic measures. And God knows the the emotional brain damage she had from going through this her entire life. So the so the boyfriend, the boyfriend was the one that killed the mom. So he's in jail now, I'm assuming. Yeah, so what ended up happening was they both, after the murder, they had gone back to the guy's house in Wisconsin where they made the Facebook post. They quickly found them there because you could see, like, IP address and everything. Um, So they were both arrested. Gypsy ended up pleading guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 10 years. The boyfriend was sentenced to life in prison. So... Why this story is relevant now is because she had served 85% of her sentence and was finally granted parole. So she is now a free woman. The boyfriend's in jail for the rest of his life. She had said in a 2020 interview that she felt freer in prison than she did under her mother, which is like so horrible. And now she's married. To that guy? No, she's married to a different guy that wrote her letters. so here's my question. Why I understand that the boyfriend's in jail because, like, even though you were trying to protect your girlfriend, like, you can't just kill somebody, okay? That's understandable. But the, I don't understand why... I thought, like, if you were a child that was a victim of abuse, that there was some kind of, like, leniency for killing the person that was abusing you. And she didn't even do well, it. Well, I think her... I think her leniency was the lesser sentence because there's a lot of people, including myself, that I don't think she deserved to go to jail. No, I I don't either. I think she should have been put in a treatment facility to overcome her 20 years of trauma and try to work through that. But instead, she was put in jail. And now she's kind of this like pseudo celebrity. I mean, we're talking about her, but there's a six part Lifetime special coming out about her starting tonight. That's going to be absolutely insane where she tells her whole side. Oh, of the it's story. like a documentary style. I yeah, might it's actually her watch whole that. side of the story and um, how she got married and met that guy and everything. So I'm really fascinated to see this. I I really hope we don't see her come back up in the press for something else negative in the next 
couple yeah, of I, years. I just don't like that. Like, it's not like you just you abuse a kid their whole life. I mean, that's that's like serious abuse. And and then she thought like if it was a normal situation, the child, the girl probably never would have killed her mother. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so ridiculous. Absolutely. And it's that's why I feel and I feel so many people are on the same page where they're like, I don't even think she should have been in jail. I think we can all agree the way it was handled was not the right way and we shouldn't be murdering anybody. But there's something to say about being a victim for so long. There's only so much you could handle. And then one day you finally realize it and you start reaching out to people for help and nobody's helping you. And then you find the one person willing to help you. And she didn't even know that the guy was going to fully go through with it and kill her. And then he did. And that's kind of on him for helping. But I feel bad for her in the end. Yeah, totally. All right. So it's kind of nice to see that now she she's 32. She's getting freedom. She could go on possibly to live as normal of a life as somebody in her situation can. All right. Let's lighten things up with... The, the pastor in North Carolina that tried to put his wife's co-worker's head in the fryer at McDonald's. So this woman was training to be a manager at a McDonald's where she said the employees were, quote, disrespecting her. So they had she called her husband to come in and help her with the situation. He comes in, punches the guy a bunch of times and then tries to stick his head in the deep fryer at the McDonald's restaurant. And this is what I was saying. Like, so in the article, it says that the cops were looking at the surveillance video. And I'm like, could you just imagine some of the videos that these that that police officers and uh, investigators have to look at? And this one is like, oh, yeah, he did try to stick his head in, in a hot oil deep fryer. Which would have been insane, actually, to get as an autopsy. Like, the person would have been deep fried like some chicken nuggets or something. It's just so crazy. Let's just be thankful it didn't get to that point because I don't even want to visualize what a person with a deep fried head would look like. <laughs> See, this is all I do. Like, every time I hear about these injuries or potential injuries, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, what would that look like? It would look like pork rinds or something on the outside. It just would be crazy looking. All right. This so when when we went to Key West a, a cop this week, um, we stopped in Miami for the night, and we were at a hotel. And Lillian had a box of M and M's, and she was on the patio of our hotel or the balcony, and she says, "Can I throw these over the edge and see what happens?" We were on like the twelfth floor or something. I don't know. And I was like, "No, you can't do that. What if you hit somebody down there?" And she's just like, it's an M&M. It won't hurt. And I was just like, nah, dude, that's not cool. You don't do that. And and here, I that's why I'm I'm kind of giggling because the story came up that there was an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old that were on the 32nd floor of a hotel in Times Square and were throwing bottles over the edge. And the bottle hit a woman in the face and gave her like a laceration on her face or like an incisional wound from the, from the broken glass. But... I, I I just asked Gabe. I was like, do like do kids like not know that 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 would be really bad or because the reason I'm asking is because the 11 year old didn't get in trouble because of her age, but the 12 year old got arrested. And yeah, that was so ridiculous. And I'm also like, so this at first I thought 
it meant like water bottles, which obviously could really hurt somebody if they're full. But no, it was glass bottles. So what kind of glass bottles? Was it a whiskey bottle full that that's pretty considerably heavy? Or was it an empty soda bottle? Like, where are they getting these glass yeah, bottles? Yeah, that is true. That like launching? in a hotel. Well, the like the mini fridge. Were they, yeah, were they like the, the little airport yeah, bottles? They're like on their parents' dime. Like, you know, this hotel we just went to. The kids opened up because the first hotel we went to had like popcorn and it was free, right? So the kids were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the second hotel we go to, they opened this cabinet and there's like all these mini bottles of like vodka and, you know, all this stuff. And we were like, don't touch any of that stuff because it's like $50 for a box of candy or something, right? And what what yeah. were these kids like emptying out like all of these mini, like, I don't know, the parents weren't in the room and they were emptying out hundreds of dollars of mini alcohol bottles and like throwing them over the edge or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, are you more pissed that your kids throw in the bottle over the balcony or that you just got charged $37 for an airport <laughs> bottle of Tito's out of there? Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I mean, th- th- it's it's not funny, though, at all. It's 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 no, it's I, I just am trying to figure out like, does a kid, I mean, Lillian was trying to throw M&Ms and clearly like an M&M isn't going to do the same damage as a vodka bottle, right? But like, what, do, do they really understand that like, because I, I could see being a kid being like, oh, that would be really cool if it hit the ground and just not thinking yeah. like, well, what if it happens to hit someone in the face? They, unless they're just like, you know, Dexter kids or something that, that are, assholes and that they were trying to hurt somebody but i don't know it's just that age is still their brains are still a little iffy let me tell you i've always been afraid of things falling from the sky in the city and because i saw this episode of the show broad city where this girl was just like walking down the street going to a job interview and a little drip from a window air conditioning unit dropped right in her eye and she got this infection. Like she it was dramatized disease and like died. Yeah. They yeah, basically like they they dramatized it for the show. So her like half of her eyeball oh her face God. was green from it. But ever since then I've like just the smallest thing could hit you and change everything. Yeah, it's so. true. All right, so this next story, I didn't know what category to put it in because technically it's probably an accident, but because the mom is such like a negligent asshole idiot, I don't even know what to say. A kid died. So do you want to do you want to tell them a little bit about what happened? Yeah, this woman, this woman was with her two children and they were trying to catch a bus. So she told her kids there was an, a train sitting idle on train tracks so she tells her kids to hurry up and run under the train so they can make their bus so the first kid goes under and doesn't have an issue and the second kid gets under it and then the train starts moving and is killed and the first kid ended up being wildly injured from it but a child is dead yeah and the the mom the mom looks a little off in the picture i have to say but i i don't know what's going on there because you can't be all there if you think that that that's a good idea ever um, and, and imagine the kid, the other kid seeing his sister get smushed to death by a train was probably really lovely. Like you just hear a kid get, got hit by a train, but like that looks horrendous, traumatizing, nothing that anybody should see their family member looking like that. So kudos to mom, mom of the year. Well, she's, 
she's found guilty of two charges of child abuse, and now she's been sentenced to six years, which is six years enough for this. It wasn't necessarily intentional, but yeah, it, but but you don't just really like, trust her judgment. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is this the first time they did this? Is this like like what else is she doing that you you have to say like you don't you're not doing the right thing? You're you shouldn't. I mean, six years isn't shit. Like, I don't know. And I mean, she said she was she felt bad about it. I'm sure she does feel bad about it. Well, I would hope you would feel bad about that. <laughs> well, I, I, that's why I said I didn't know what the category to put it in, because I don't think she was just like, yeah, I'm going to have my kid go under a train and get ran over by a train today. You know, but there has to be a certain level of responsibility for an adult to put your kid in that situation. Yeah. All right. Let's get on. to. We have a lot of medical news today, which is the categories just vary so much from week to week. So a lot of good medical stories, though, that we want to share with you. Yeah. First, we have this really disturbing story out of a hospital in Oregon where a nurse had allegedly been replacing fentanyl IV bags with tap water. So can you explain exactly what was going on? I mean, I'm not a nurse, so I don't know the access that they have. I thought I thought these bags were, like, pre-filled with whatever it was supposed to be with, and they hooked them up to the, the IVs and everything. But I don't know if there's a way that they can empty them and put other stuff into them. But apparently a nurse was probably stealing the fentanyl that they were supposed to be giving a patient and instead substituting it with tap water. And the way that they figured this out was that they did autopsies on these people and found that that they had like weird infections and they that came from tap water. Um, It also sucks because these people were prescribed fentanyl in the hospital, which means they were in a significant amount of pain and they weren't being giving it. They were being given water instead. And I don't know. Didn't my mom send us this story? Yeah, she did. So good job. Shout out, mama. (laughs) This Yeah, so this caused dozens of patients harm, and some of them ended up dying from the weird infections they were getting from the non-sterile tap water. You know what I love about the story? It's like a hospital in Oregon, they won't name the name of the hospital. Like, really? Because guess what? If I was living in Oregon right now, I'd want to know what hospital was doing that because I certainly wouldn't want to go there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was just talking um, at a, a holiday party last week with somebody about the good the good nurse case that we've covered so many times and how the hospitals will do anything to avoid the PR crisis including just transferring a serial killer nurse to several dif- different hospitals so it's not their problem so yeah Wouldn't I'm not be the surprised first time. at their name yeah exactly yeah. it's disgusting all right this is, this is probably one of the more shocking cases of the week um there was a priest this was in the Czech Republic And he got a tick bite from, and what happens is in certain areas of the world, you could get different infections than in other areas of the world. And where he was living in the Czech Republic, there is a tick-borne virus that you can get that causes tick-borne encephalitis. And you you actually can't, if you get bit by a tick in uh, the United States, you can't get that here. So that's always something that you have to take in consideration when you travel to other areas that they have different organisms. Even if you live in New Jersey and you travel to like Arizona, there's different fungal uh, species out there than there are here. And it's just, 
you that's why they always ask you if you were traveling because if you have some weird infection they want to know where you got it from but so he gets this this uh, viral encephalitis which causes encephalitis is just like an inflammation on the, the outside of the brain and it causes it could cause symptoms anywhere from like confusion headache minor things to severe things like psychosis and having delusions of things that aren't real and for whatever reason he ended up cutting his penis off and he had a meeting that he didn't show up to so ems was sent to his house and they showed up and they found a guy laying there with his penis amputated in a pool of blood and when he got to the hospital they were like okay like why did this guy do this they're trying to investigate because obviously that's like the last thing that a man would ever want to do and um it it, they found out that he had encephalitis and that he had an infection caused by this tick-borne illness crazy yes this this is a wild story i would have never thought a tick bite would have transferred into this type of action like it's it's not it's nothing to be scared of like oh if you ever go visit over there like you're gonna go nuts and start cutting off your body parts yeah. it's just like a, it doesn't usually get to to severe psychosis like that but it happens so it's reported but it's not common yeah yeah it's it's just i mean it's 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 a crazy story let's just face it it's a crazy story all right another another crazy th- all these stories are, are pretty crazy this week but this new mom was speaking out um she so she had a baby and then she got pregnant again and she thought that she had hemorrhoids and she which is like most lots of people get hemorrhoids <laughs> when they're pregnant but they're saying it yeah it's saying it's really common in pregnancy which is something i feel like i've never heard before oh yeah it's just because of the extra weight on the vascular system it's it's um it's definitely common in pregnancy it's it's super common in pregnancy did you have pregnancy roids um I mean, yeah, I guess I did, but it was just like a little one, but it went away. But you can, I mean, people get really bad ones, really, really bad ones. Hemorrhoids are freaking horrible. So she, she kind of dealt with it while, while she was pregnant. And then after she delivered the baby, like they didn't go away. And the thing is, is that when you have the baby and the extra weight of the heavy uterus is out, it's not necessarily going to go away altogether, but like that should start alleviating your symptoms. Just the having the baby is kind of um, part of the treatment in a sense, if that's what was caused by. But um, they didn't go away. And she said something to the doctor and the doctor was like, all right, well, we're like, it seemed like the doctor was like, you're going to have to go like see somebody for this because like you can't be having hemorrhoids. You could get all sorts of surgeries and treatments for them. And she was like, nah, I, I think I want to get a colonoscopy just to make sure everything's okay. Now, this woman's only 36 years old, and you're not even supposed to get a screening colonoscopy until you're like 45 now. And the doctor says, okay, you, we'll get you one. We'll check it out, sure. And the day before she goes to get the colonoscopy, they say to her, oh, it's going to be $600 because the insurance doesn't cover it because you're not ready for a screening colonoscopy. You're not old enough yet. So luckily, she was in a position So number one, she felt so strongly about getting this colonoscopy and she was in a financial position to pay for this. She gets the colonoscopy and right afterwards they were like, "Um, you have a four centimeter mass in your rectum, which is huge for a a rectal tumor. And it's probably cancer. We're just trying to warn you. We're waiting for the path. 
they technically like can't tell you you have cancer until they get the biopsy result back because there's like rare chances it could be a benign thing. But like when something's that big, it's just like it's just not good. Right. And you could especially when you're an experienced GI doctor, like, you know what a tumor looks like. So they were they were like just just letting you know that this isn't good. And she ended up getting diagnosed with colorectal cancer stage three, which is pretty advanced. It was spread to a lymph node already. And now, you know, she has a little baby. She has to get chemo, radiation. And she's just saying like she was 36 years old when she got diagnosed with this. And she was nine years away from being at the age to get screened for it. And I personally thought, and I could be wrong, I thought that like if you we're supposed to get this at a certain age, then the insurance won't pay for it just because you want one. But if the doctors are like, she has hemorrhoids or some kind of issue, that then it would get paid for because they'll do it if there's a medical issue. Because one time I, um, you know, I started getting mammograms when I was 40, but like when I was 38 or something, I just had like a weird rash on my boob. And the doctor was like, let's just get it checked out just to be sure because sometimes breast cancer could show up like as a rash. And I got a mammogram done, but it was before I was due to get screened. But it was because there was something suspicious because obviously people do, most people get breast cancer after 40, but there's lots of people that get it before 40. So, um, but crazy story, right? Yeah, and she was saying that she was really fortunate that she could afford to do the test anyway, because otherwise, what would have happened? She she would have kept buying creams and doing whatever and maybe going to a proctologist to get a consult to get them removed, which just could have been months. You know, uh, sometimes you make doctor's appointments and it's months away. And I mean, she was diagnosed at stage three. So if she waited much longer, she could have had stage four and been terminal. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, I mean, this is really sad. And I've been seeing a lot of articles lately that's just saying there's a, a rise in these types of cancers in younger people going up to almost 20% in the last yeah, it's, two it's decades. It's because of the food so, we eat, like 100%. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's just like if if that's really the case and they're seeing that in data, they really need to be adjusting the testing yeah, but ages. That, that, they will eventually, but that will take forever because the thing is, is that the insurance companies rule the world and they pay. So if they start saying, all right, we're going to do them when people are 35, that means you're paying for colonoscopies for 10 additional years on a person. They just like, they don't want to pay it. Like that's, it's just the way it is. And it, it sucks. Um, I thought this next story was relevant to number one, me, because I, I drink bubble tea all the time. Or to Uncle Louie because he just got diagnosed with this recently for the same kind of an issue. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I, I literally thought this was about you. So doctors in Taiwan had to remove over 300 kidney stones from a 20-year-old woman because she all she drank was bubble tea and alcohol and pretty much everything except water. So she just developed all of these kidney stones and had severe or chronic dehydration so i think this really relates to you because especially the summer of 2021 we went through a 
getting one to two bubble tea every single day. Wait, was that so- when I was writing my book? Yeah, I needed the, I needed the chew to concentrate, but yeah, I drink I drink tea a lot. But so so my brother, he'll he'll be happy that we're sharing his personal medical information with you. He just recently had kidney stones and went to the doctor, and um, I thought it was kind of weird. He's young, he's under forty. I'm just like, what what what's going on? What have you been eating and stuff? And he's like. I've been drinking a, a gallon of iced tea every day at work for the, the whole summer instead of waters, right? It was like something like that. And I was like, well, that'll do it. So, um, yeah, tea is definitely, I think, I think it's hard to think this way, right? Because how do you make tea? You take water and you put a tea yeah. bag in it. But then when you put the tea bag in it, it's no longer water. So you can't substitute that liquid for drinking water. But for me, it's hard because I don't I don't like to drink water. So if I have coffee or tea in the morning and the afternoon, then you, you kind of have to make yourself drink water in between because it dilutes down all of the stuff in your urine. Because if it concentrates, it like clumps together and forms stones. And um, sometimes they can get really big to the point where you have to get your entire kidney cut out because they can't get it out. Yeah, I I cut back. Well, you have warned me. I used to drink like a crazy amount of iced tea when I was a teenager and you told me to stop. And Ricky actually had kidney stones when he was pretty young because all he drank was iced tea his whole life. So I think it's fine if you drink iced tea. You just have, If you're drinking equal amounts of water a day, but I just think most people, th- this is like a, a silent epidemic is that I think there's a lot of people that just don't like drinking water. They don't like, I don't like the taste of regular water. I just don't like it. So it's, I obviously I could drink it if I'm thirsty, but just to sit there and chug it, it's just like very hard for me to do. And, um, I, I, a lot of people I talk to are the same thing. Like they don't have any problem drinking two gallons of iced tea or two gallons of coffee, but like, Two gallons of water is like, a, it's just impossible to get down, right? So I think that's that's why you're seeing kidney stones in these people. But I just thought that that was interesting. And I always love a good story about bubble tea. Yeah, and this next story is really bizarre. So a new study has come out showing that sniffing women's tears may reduce aggression in men. I This is like one of my favorite stories of the week. Um, they were saying that they already knew that tears that that it lowers testosterone so they thought that if they checked it they they know that the tears would lower testosterone and therefore they wanted to check it in men to see because if a man has less testosterone they would be less aggressive so they wanted to see like how they could take that knowledge and and see how they could make it come to life in men right and the way they conducted this study is so cool. So they had six female donors from the ages of 20 to 25 years old, and they had to cry a lot. And they can't be, they can't be tears. Like if I'm sitting there cutting an oven, an onion, and I have like tears running down my face, they can't be like artificially produced tears. They have to be tears that come from like an emotional response. So they would have like these women like watch sad movies or like they would just see my mom. The notebook. My mom could have been like a 
a, a candidate for this study because she cries all the time. Me too. But, like she, so they they get these women to cry and they have to cry a lot because they have to collect a lot of tears. So then the next control is, is that they need a man that's really aggressive. So the way that they get to a guy to be aggressive is they get him to play video games that cause them to get agitated and aggressive. <laughs> so they had 25 guys. And when they collected these tears and they had these men that were all like revved up from these aggressive video games, when they had them sniff the tears, the men, so they, they put tears in little cups and they put saline in little cups and they didn't tell the guys which one they were smelling. They didn't know if it was saline, which would do nothing, or if it was like these female emotional tears. And when the men that sniffed the tears had a 43.7% fewer aggression than the other guys did that sniffed the saline. Like, how insane is that? I can't imagine crying so much that it could go into a cup. Think about that. I I can imagine that, like, if someone died... And like, yeah, because like, obviously, there's situations where you cry really, really hard a lot. But I don't know if I would be able to like reproduce that from a movie. I would be able to cry from a movie, but not like, <laughs> like, it's not my life. There's a there's a certain sense of like, you know what I mean? But but like my mom could 100 percent. She could turn well, on the you tears. You the notebook and then tell me how you I, feel, Miss. I cried during the Barbie movie. I, <laughs> I actually, I won't watch the notebook because I know, I, I know Camille told me that uh, it was really, my sister-in-law, she, she was just like, it's bad. Um, and I, I, she briefly told me what it was about and I'm like, nope, I'm not watching that. I will cry so bad. All right. We had told the story a couple weeks ago about this woman that had this rare double uterus and she was pregnant. And so having a double uterus is rare as it is. It's a congenital anomaly. So it means when she was forming as a fetus, her uterus didn't form properly and it gave her two, her uterus was two cavities basically instead of one. And that's rare in itself. But when she went to the doctor on this, uh, this I believe it was her second pregnancy, second or third, it was another pregnancy that she had, the, they did an ultrasound and saw that she had a fetus inside of each uterine cavity. Um, and that's so rare, like one in 50 million people get pregnant like that. So we told you about that a few weeks ago, and she just gave birth to two healthy babies. Yes, it- Two healthy babies. The first was born on December 19th. The second was born on December 20th. They were about 11 hours apart. Both weighed seven pounds and healthy. Um, they were saying the last known case of this, the woman gave birth 26 days apart. Like, how much would that suck to give birth and then have to wait a month to give birth to the second well, baby? They're not. they're not what people would think of traditional twins. Like, you have to think that... This woman was pregnant with these two twins that were conceived on two different times. They're two different babies. They're not identical twins. They're not even fraternal twins. They're two separate sexual encounters and two conceptions occurred. (laughs) It's so crazy. So in theory, and this has happened before, there's been documented cases of this that you could 
you know, have sex in January and get pregnant and then you can have sex in March and get pregnant again in the other side. It's just it's so nuts. I mean, it's it's really cool, actually. We also this isn't a full story. I just wanted to mention this, that we have a cool local story, too, where this woman delivered twins and one was born December 31st and one was born on January 1st. So the babies have two different day birthdays and two different years. That's so, yeah. Which is and she so lives nuts. in my town, which is so cool. I was like, and, you know, you know, the doctors were like, hold on. A yeah. <laughs> Close your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I so, thought that that was really cool, too, though. It's just a, it's a cool story to yeah. tell, like, you know, twins are always like, I'm older than you. But it, it's I mean, <laughs> you know what? It's going to be a pain in the ass for the mom just because they're always like, when's your kid's date of birth? And it's easy when you have twins, usually because they have the same birthday. But it's like this is this is like this whole big thing for them now. Different years. Well, yeah, and I, I saw the one twin was born at 1148 p.m. So just missed the mark, and then the other baby was born at twelve twenty eight a.m. Oh my god! So they're only a half hour apart, but yeah, it's so yeah, nuts. that is that's crazy. Like you it, couldn't even. It's time. a cool story. It though. is a cool story for sure. All right, this this next another another cool research that's going on is that there there have been studies in pigs that show that this new thing that they made, which is a vibrating pill that you ingest, so they give it to the pig, and the vi- the pill goes down into the stomach it's coated with a special thing that cannot start vibrating until the stomach acid hits the outer coating of it and the vibration is supposed to give the body and the stomach the sensation of fullness and these pigs that they've been giving it to about 20 minutes before they eat they they ate roughly 40 percent less than pigs that did not use the device didn't did we talk about a pill in the last couple months that was a vibrating pill to help people go to the bathroom that were constipated? Maybe. I don't think this is the same thing, but the the fact that there's potentially two different vibrating pills on the market is, well, is kind of a crazy thing. I thought it thing. was crazy. When I first started working as the PA, one day I got a foreign body and it was called a pill camera. And I was like, what the oh, fuck yeah. is this? Because I like you don't learn everything in school. So it's just like every day as a PA, you're learning, you get new stuff and you're like, OK, this is new. And it was like, yeah, there because there's when you get an endoscopy, it only goes down so far and it only goes up. A colonoscopy only goes up so far. And there's this huge segment of the bowel that they can't see because they can't reach it with the scope. So you could take this pill that's a camera that will kind of look at your GI system in the middle where they can't reach and um, I just thought it was crazy. I'm like, this pill looks like really expensive and you just shit it out. That's it. Like it goes in the trash <laughs> and and it's the same like this vibrating pill. But I mean, th- that's like this is like awesome if it because it's not it's not a drug. It's kind of it goes in and it's it's a manual manipulation kind of. And then you poop it out. You don't have to take any weird drugs that affect your GI system. I mean, listen, there's going to be some problems with this thing. I just I don't even want to think about what they're going to be. But, th- you know, there's always a problem with something. But I don't know. Well, they're hoping this is going to be an affordable alternative to other weight loss, dramatic surgeries or some pharmaceuticals. So it would be cool if this worked and seems like a more natural route to going about yeah, it. I'm, I'm interested in this, honestly. Like, I'll just pop one once a month and be like, hey. <laughs> 
But they're only testing it on pigs yeah. right now. It's going to be a couple years before human trials start and it starts yeah. going and, and then I just thought like, okay, so people are going to abuse this thing and it's just there's going to be like obstructions because people took too many vibrating pills. <laughs> just trying to think. Yeah. I always try to think all the bad shit that could happen. All right. Let's get to other death news. So. This week, I told you we drove. We drove from New Jersey to Key West and back, and it was it was long, but we love our car ride, so it was fun. On the way to Florida, we always stop in Savannah. It's like we love the city. It's it's awesome, and it was like a really shitty day when we got there. Of course, like we're leaving New Jersey where it's cold and raining, and we want to go to Florida and Georgia and like nice warmer weather and no it was it was like 50 some degrees and raining when we got there for the whole day so i start google searching like what what are things to do in in savannah when it's raining because we couldn't even walk around outside like we normally do and i came across this museum and it said it was a serial killer museum and i was like what how come i never heard about this and I looked into it and I was like, this is really cool. It looks it looks so cool. And of course they were closed. So I, I messaged the owner and I said, hey, is there a way like, are you there? Can I go there? And um, they were kind enough to let myself in as well as my family. And it was like the coolest museum ever. If you ever go to Georgia, they had, it wasn't just a serial killer museum. And obviously, anybody that has interest in true crime would just love this museum. They have major, major uh, cases like John Wayne Gacy, huge collection of his his artwork and um, Ed Gain case uh, artifacts from the case. And um, it, it's just it's just really cool. And the staff is just like so knowledgeable. They know they know way more about the cases than I've ever heard on any of these true crime shows or anything. And it was just. It was just like really cool. They had a an oddity part in the beginning, which I think was like more interesting to the kids. Because um, obviously you're talking about like kids. You don't really want them knowing about like people getting brutally murdered. So the beginning of the museum was more for kids. They showed like circus freak stuff and sideshow attractions and really cool taxidermy of like two-headed sheep or something. Like just cool, like fun stuff like that. And then as you walk through, it got more gruesome. But the good part was was that there was there was like 10 or 15 pinball machines lined up there that were free that the kids just sat there and played while we were like looking at pictures of dead bodies and stuff. So it was really awesome. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to them. And ju- so what's this museum called for everybody? So it's called Grave Face Museum and it's Grave Face underscore museum on Instagram. So check it out if you're ever in Savannah. We're going back. um because I have that lecture um, in yeah most important, most important patient, patient conference. conference and I don't know the exact date are they even selling tickets for it yet I'm not sure. I don't know if tickets are for sale but you could go on mostimportantpatient.com for some more info there's some you could sign dates up at- for the like they'll let you know right yeah because I don't think we have a confirmed date for your lecture yet but I believe it's the last week of June and ends right before 4th of July so yeah so we'll that's a fun time to go to Savannah it'll be a little toasty down there but they have good ice cream everywhere and it's a fun little town they have great food so amazing yeah they do I I love Savannah and just it's so it's just so cool looking there like I I like I feel like I could live there honestly I I'm not into the swampy weather in the summer but just 
the trees and the the everything is just so so cool all right and um so going off of that the last story that we have in death news this week is that there's this guy on instagram and i love when people have these like super creative ideas for an instagram account and his is at jj slavin s-l-a-v-i-n or slavin slavin but this is a guy who's a recent college grad that thought it would be a good idea to recreate inmates that are on death row to recreate their final meals. And he recreates them, he eats them, and then he kind of gives a critique and a rating on them. <laughs> it's just, it's genius. Yeah. I love it so much. And he's covered like Timothy McVeigh. Uh, Which he did not like. He re- Timothy McVeigh requested two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream and this this guy did not like that that was his meal. His favorite was Alton Coleman, a serial killer whose final meal, this honestly sounds delicious, I want to make it for dinner. <laughs> Filet mignon with mushroom gravy, biscuits and gravy, fried chicken, french fries, broccoli with cheese, collard green onion rings, Cornbread, a salad, sweet potato pie, butter pecan, ice cream, and cherry cola. So th- this is one thing that this guy mentions that I think is is really cool. He says that you rarely have the opportunity to select exactly what you are going to eat before you die, which is true. Like most people don't know when they're going to die. And it's 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 honestly like a really cool thing to think about like when people know that they are going to die the next day at this time what is the last thing that you would decide to eat so maria what (laughs) what would what would yours be i think i'd want the ropa vieja from mixto because it's my favorite meal ever and I'm assuming if it's like my last meal because I'm going to die, gluten's not an issue anymore. Well, that's so. what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? Like, since gluten won't be an issue for me anymore, I just want a whole entire like 12 pack of Hawaiian bread rolls. And Ooh, I, that's yeah, that all I'll eat good. is just the bread. I don't even want any regular food at that point. I'm just going to eat like uh, Italian pastries and bread, all all bread. <laughs> I think I want a full meal from Mixto. I'm being dead serious. I want the coconut mojito with the oh, yeah, ropa vieja with the yellow rice and the tres leches and maybe they have those good they have those really good arepas too so i would like a full meal from there we gotta go there soon maybe I'll, i yeah, have been there in a couple years i went for valentine's day last year and it was yeah delicious. but you can't have the the tres leches no but they, they have, have flan, they have flan yeah. and stuff yeah and that's also delicious. Yeah, so check everything out, there. So, so check out this guy's Instagram again. It's at j j s l a v i n. I just think that um, it's just so creative. I love it. It reminds me of remember that that woman we spoke of a couple years ago that was traveling the world and going to cemeteries and finding Christmas cookie or it was usually mm-hmm. Christmas cookie recipes that were written on tombstones. But just in yeah. general, recipes written on tombstones, and um, and like recreating the cookies of of di- of different people. I thought that that was so cool. One thing I wanted to note about this is there's obviously people that like us that are super into the idea, and then some people that find it disrespectful and that it glorifies murders. But I thought a really good quote he had was, um, he said, 
Not every story from our history is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but I don't think that's a reason not to share them. And I think that's really awesome way to think about that and just sharing these horrific stories and being able to digest them and understand that things like this happen. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to them about the at the museum, too, just assuming that they get some shit because we get some shit all the time. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and just talking about that, like ju- you can't just brush this stuff under the rug and pretend that it doesn't happen. And and a lot of times you just don't you don't know who who is a specific story or situation is going to help someone. Even learning about the serial killers and stuff like I, I was trying to tell the kids it's important for us to learn about this stuff because that's when when mommy says to you, like, don't get in the car with strangers and stuff. It's because this happened in real life. And we we want you to learn about this because it's happened and we don't want it to happen again. So I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it. You're not you're not trying to give make him famous. You're just trying to sometimes people are so freaked out by it. They just want to learn from it. Yeah. All right. So on to our questions of the day. I hope you guys really loved our holiday special. It was really fun to talk about some personal stuff and kind of knock on each other about some of our pet peeves <laughs> with each other. So, Our first question today is, can you tell if a woman has had a baby just by looking at her uterus? And if so, how? Yes. So that's cool. If a woman has a baby vaginally, the so the opening of the uterus is called the cervix and the opening is usually the size we'll say it's like pinpoint but i would say it's more of like the size of a pen or maybe even like a little bit bigger in diameter a hole in the middle of the cervix and when a woman has a baby vaginally it it looks different afterwards it looks more like a happy face or like a slit <laughs> so um we would describe it as like a pinpoint uterus is usually one that that appears that a baby never came out of it and a slit shaped uterus is one that a baby has come out of it. Then you say, well, what about if a woman's had a C-section? Well, then she's going to have a scar on the anterior surface of her uterus because they have to cut through it in order to get the baby out. So, yes. Wow, that's really interesting. Yes, it's cool. All right. So what is your daily routine? Like, do PAs have a schedule? So I don't work at the hospital right now anymore. Um, Well, sometimes, but not really, not a full-time schedule anymore. So my particular schedule is way different than it was when I was working full-time as a PA. But yes, when when I worked as a PA at a, a couple different hospitals, even when I rotated as a student, we pretty much had the same schedule which was Monday through Friday, like seven to three or nine to five, like some kind of business hours pretty much. But um, different places, like I know that Penn started opening like on nights and weekends. Sometimes even when I was a student or I was working per diem, I would go in and work at night for extra money. Um, And so the lab is usually only open during the weekdays and off on the weekends, but more and more the the lab is opening on the weekends. That's like surgical pathology. And then as far as autopsy goes, it's the same thing. M- most of the time at the hospital, the autopsy is open Monday through Friday. But then in certain situations, if a pathologist needs to come in um, to do an autopsy because I don't know if a person needs to get buried right away or something like that. There's, it's usually like a religious request. 
um, then they would come in or sometimes like some kind of metabolic testing or something. Um, CRISPR's on call every, like she shares a call schedule with. So typically when you get to work, like if you were working a normal schedule, what is there an order, a specific order you do stuff or you kind of just jump in wherever you it left just, off the day It before? just depends where you work because um, different different institutions do different things. But yeah, it's like there's really never, like especially if you're in surgical pathology, it's like you have a countertop full of specimens that are from surgeries that are happening all day. So even if the rare chance that you clean everything up from the day when you come in the next day, there's going to be stuff waiting for you because people like there's no surgery scheduled at night in the middle of the night. But people come in and their appendix ruptured, their gallbladder, their colon burst, whatever happened, they got shot and all that stuff comes in throughout the night. So in the morning, you still have stuff. It's like it's just a constant flow of stuff coming in and Unless you have like a fully staffed lab that's appropriate for the amount of specimens that you get, which in my opinion is never the case because they always just want to save money and not give you enough employees to help with the work. There's just always stuff. So sometimes like in the morning, if we get a colon, let's say a person had like a perforated diverticulitis and we get a colon from overnight and it's in a bag and it's fresh. That's called like fresh. It's just in a like a Ziploc bag. I'll take it out and put it like in formalin or the formaldehyde just to get it just because number one, you don't want the poop that's in there like eating away at the surface of the lining. And number two, the formaldehyde kind of makes the cell structures look like more crisp. So I could kind of open that up, clean the poop out real quick and throw it in a bucket and like do it later. So there is, there is like a kind of let's prioritize what needs to get done first because for example, if a person has a perforated diverticulitis, the, the the problem is out of their body. Like the doctor knows why it happened. They surgically took it out. It's out. So like they don't need to know that very day like what happened because they kind of already know what happened. So that could wait. Whereas there's other things that are like more important, a, a skin biopsy that they're trying to rule out like a reaction to a drug or something that's like really important and needs to get done first. So that that's the kind of schedule, but you just have to know, like, this is important. Get this done today. This one, this is an amputated leg for gangrene that could wait four days. Who cares? Like, it's off. The person's fine. Like, you know, it's just like a constant juggling of what's important, what's not. Okay. Is there anything out there that still gives you the willies? Besides E.T.? <laughs> Um, Your fear of E.T. is unbelievable. Um, no, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the like, what does the willies mean? Just, like, freak, like, like, gives you the ick. Yeah, like, um, like, hair does. Not, like, wet hair. There's something that, gr like, even, I'll, really, some people are so skeeved out when there's hair in food, and I'm just like. No, I don't care if there's hair in food, but, like, when, when I. When I have to take someone's brain out, sometimes I'll like I'll use a comb to part their hair to I'll part their hair to make a part where the incision's gonna be so I don't cut their hair with the blade. And sometimes they have like dandruff and like that crust stuff in the head and I wet their hair Ew. so it's easier for me to comb. And like that kind of grosses me out. Like just I don't know if that reminds me of like when I went to hair school or something, just like dirt like like it's not dirty, it's just like head crust. Um <laughs> Like, 
like that, like wet hair kind of. I don't know. I, I mean, not that much. Like like sputum always grossed me out because I had to do when uh, I was in I worked in microbiology and I used to have to put it on Petri dishes. And like it's basically like someone coughing up a loogie in a cup and they could get really nasty looking. And then I had to like play with it with like a Q-tip to put it. Ugh. Yeah. And it it's like thick and. I don't really I don't like that. Like if Gabe spits or something, I'm like, do you have to do that? Like really, it's disgusting. So like I That's guess- how I feel about other people's boogers. Like I can pick my nose all day long, but I do not want to see anybody else's. They it makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. Yeah, it's like a like thick mucusy thing. I don't it's not like nothing really there's nothing really that like freaks me out to the point where I can't like deal with it, I guess. Okay, last question. Are we right or left-handed? Oh, right. I paint left-handed, right. though. I paint left... Do you? I paint left-handed a lot. But, um, yeah, pri- right. We're all right, except Lillian. And Ricky's ambidextrous... Is that the right word? Ambidextrous? Yeah. He can do both. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Don't you think everybody could really do both if you sat... Like, you can't write with your left hand. I could if I really sat there, but I guess with him, it's he he writes with one hand, but he does if he plays hockey or baseball, he does it with the other, which I couldn't, I couldn't swing a bat the other well, way. You know what I mean? I think so. This is this is like an interesting thing I think about sometimes because when I was when I was in first grade, let's say it was like nineteen eighty five, right? There was a kid in my class, and he was left handed, and I remember like. It was like he was like the freak in the school. Like they just were trying to push him to do it the other way. And he was just hardcore with the other hand. Like, and it was like this. So weird. It was weird. But now I just think they kind of like in modern day, like you even like they, they like let kids do what they want to do. If you want to bat this way, you want to catch this way, you want to write this way, whatever. So I think a lot of people that are my age, like, it seems like there's more lefties now, but I think it's just that they're not forcing you to be a to be a righty anymore. Like Lillian has just, no like she what did she have last year? Like eight kids in her class and like three or four of them were left handed. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Well, it just it's such an innocent thing that doesn't affect anybody. So it's so bizarre to try to no, force it, somebody. It is, you know what, though? Having a left handed child, it is it is different. It, it's it, it's different and it's hard. It, I could see why teachers would like just it would be easier to be like because the scissors are a problem. The where, where the kid sits is a problem. Like if you get stuck eating next to Lillian, it sucks because her arm is bumping against yours. And like, you know what I mean? Um, Like stupid stuff like that. The, like she I actually got her this book for Christmas. that's like a left handed notebook because they, she would feel more comfortable. Like if the rings were on the other side of the notebook. Oh, yeah. It's just. So I think for, for like hardcore teachers in the eighties, they were just like, we're not. And and prior to that too, like, we're not dealing with this. Like you, you conform to us. We're not conforming to you kind of thing. But it's, it's, it's like an interesting thing I think about. All right, guys. Well, every Friday on the at mother knows death Instagram, we post the little question box so you could leave your question to be possibly answered on a following episode. So thank you guys for an awesome start to the new year, and we are stoked to be back. Yeah, and we have some great interviews coming up, so stay tuned. 
Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.